This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Besotted have been shortlisted for best podcast at the Football Content Awards. Vote for us at besotted.com forward slash awards. Thank you. This is the Besotted Pride of West London Restart Podcast. Actually, we're getting a little bit premature here. It may not quite be a restart podcast, but it's looking that way. And as I'm sitting here, deep in lockdown, in the garden, birds are still chirping. I've got a bit of a smile on my face because I'm sitting here with my chums in a lockdown pose as we're pontificating, actually seeing a ball kicked around by the boys in red and white stripes. I'm Billy Grant. And I'm sitting here with my chum, Laney Lane, in the virtual joint. How are you doing, Lane? Yeah, I'm very good, mate. It's uh, it's fantastic to be almost back, I think is the expression. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think we've waited for the signs to, uh, to spring up for a few weeks now. We always wondered how football would restart. Um, and, it, and it seems like we have a, a, an almost firm date now. Um, barring any kind of second spike or, you know, like... Brentford, uh, you know, contagion. I think, I think we're, I think we're edging there. So uh, yeah, it's uh, we're we're out, we're out the other side almost. I think. Indeed, and we've got the Allard in the house as well. The Allard, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Um, similar to Dave, excited to hear the news. Um, we'll see. You know, I'm sure we're going to discuss a bit about whether it's, you know, is it the time for it? Are we ready for it? But you know, I guess we're excited for watching football, aren't we? I watched a bit of the Michelin game on when was it yesterday. And um, and suddenly I had a little bit of an interest and I sort of enjoyed that a bit more than some of the other games I've been watching. So, yeah, let's bring it on. Let's bring it on. So, listen, but listen, we're going to talk about, well, we're going to talk about loads of things because we've been uh, we've been away for a few weeks. As you can, as you know, with, uh, with the Besotted, we've sort of taken a little bit of a chill pill 
this uh, this lockdown period as well. And we haven't put out as many podcasts as we have. We've just thought we've popped our head above the parapet any time there's been a little bit of activity, anything that's been happening. And we thought it'd be a good time for us to pop our head above today to talk about the restart, to talk about what we've been up to, talk about what's been going on around the league, and then just to give you any other info as well. So, I mean, I'm going to say, from our point of view, there's a few things we want to talk to you about. First of all, we were quite surprised, but we are very um, honoured as well that Besotted has been shortlisted once again for Best Podcast at the Football Content Awards as well, which is uh, which is great. So that's the third time we've been nominated for that. We've been nominated for three FSF awards as well. So that's, I'm going to say, six-time lucky. Uh, I don't know it quite works like that, actually, does it, lady? A bit like our playoff fuck-ups, really, isn't it? We've been nominated for as many awards as Brent, Brentford have lost in the playoffs. I think it's it's normally they just they do it on voting, don't they? So it you know we all know that we are relatively a small club. So I guess when it comes to the final, you know, the final, they need to think of a better way of doing it. They've improved it a bit this year, Bill. Is that right? They have improved it a bit. What they've done is that last time they've started off with voting. When it start off with, and you always got Man United and Man City and all that lot winning, and then they thought, let's let's get bring judges into it. So then they had sort of kind of voting and judges. So sort of there was an award for voting, and then the same award the judges gave it. So it's different people giving the same award, which is a bit strange. But this year they've actually kind of allocated fifty percent of the marks to votes and fifty percent of the marks to judges. So let's see how that comes out. But anyway. If you just check out besotted.com or if you go and check out on Besotted Twitter or uh, on our Facebook page, we've got the links for you to vote for us. Besotted.com forward slash awards. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to us. We've done over a million listens, as you've known, on our podcast. We've been doing it now for, for six years now. I think it was five or six years since that Borough game. One, 1.25 million, Bill, please. Sorry, okay. I was, I was downplaying us, like you know what I'm saying. I'm trying to. I thought that one million sounded quite good, but yeah, it's one one and a quarter million listens now, which is uh, which is great. So thanks again, thanks a million for your support. So many people have been coming up to us over the last few months that you know some of them that we've met before, some of them we've never met before. Who people have said that have been listening, you know, from all over the country or all over the world as well. So uh, I hope you know you just keep on listening, keep on supporting us. Thank you very much for that. And talking about podcasts, I know we talked about this in our last pod as well, said that we were going to be doing a little, few little retro podcasts. And it's taken a little bit longer to pull together than we thought, only because there's been so much content and we are very close to finishing off our first one, which is the 1988-89 Cup run. The run when Brentford got to the quarterfinals and played Liverpool at Anfield. Um, we've been talking to loads of fans. We've been talking to, you know, we've got clips from players. We've got clips from TV and radio and all sorts. So it's been quite sort of, uh, it's been a bit of a laugh pulling together actually, Laney, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Um, I, I think it's, it's dragged out pretty much for the whole of lockdown. But we, we're all in agreement that, you know, it, it is a magnet. It will be a really, really good pod. And I think, well, I think we might even make a kind of a bit of a documentary about it. So we've 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 done a I, I think we've done a cracking kind of bit of research about this so it's it's, it's going to be worth waiting for and uh, it's a bit of an evergreen you know we we, we said you know it, there's no no real rush for it and some of the best things in life you know you, you you just kind of like you do at the right time so i think when we drop it, it i think a lot of brentford fans are going to enjoy it because 88 89 and 89 90 through to us going up was an incredible era for brentford um, a lot of fans, it was the first time anything really of any significance had happened. So 
you know, I, I think speak, speaking to some of the players, speaking to some of the fans that have really good, vivid memories from 30 odd years ago, I think it's going to be pretty special. So, yeah, I look forward to dropping that and I look forward to getting the feedback. So, keeping the loop for that one. But listen, guys, I mean, it's been a few weeks, like I said, since we've uh, we come together. And uh, I just want to just check out what have you been up to, what you've been hanging out, what you've been doing, what you've been watching, what's kept you busy during the lockdown, Laney? So, during the lockdown, what's kept me busy is the fact that, um, thankfully, uh, work-wise, it's been a, a very, very good time for me. Uh, uh, as, as you may or may not know, I produce books about football, um, and they've been they've been doing very well. Um, I've I've, I've republished and pre-published several different books, and I, I'm I'm really really happy with that. So it's the parrot above my head. And um, apart from that, I've my my son's with me. His girlfriend's just moved in, so they're 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 really happy. And uh, I, I went on my first post lockdown, but still kind of socially distancing date today. And uh, this this woman I met, she had a boat, and uh, I met her at Teddington. And uh, she, she, she sat on one side of the boat steering it and I sat on the other side of the boat kind of like talking to her. And we, we sailed up to Richmond and turned around and the boat broke down on the way back. <laughs> so so uh, it was a bit, all a bit weird. Weird on several <laughs> levels. But, but, Michael, uh, Michael rode the boat for sure, yeah? It, it, was, it was memorable. I'm not, sure, I'm not sure I'll see her again. <laughs> but but she's still got to get the still, still got to get the boat back to dry dock, doesn't she? She made me walk the plank, mate. Yeah, I just, I, but uh, yeah, no, it, that was that was a bit bizarre to have a, a have a have a like a it was a blind date really, but to, to kind of like uh, just not not be within two meters of someone, and then the, the boat breaks down. It was quite quite weird, but yeah, good, enjoyable. Excellent. Evenings and stuff, what's been keeping you busy? Ah, right. So, yeah, as I said, my, my, my son's girlfriend's moved in. Ozark, mate. Uh, it was it was talked about early doors on the on the podcast. Yeah. You, I, you did give the, I did give the recommendation, you yes. You did. And uh, it has been very, very good. Yeah. It's it's kind of low-key. Uh, it's not full-on. It's not, it's not glamorous. Uh, it, it's very well written and the characters are good. Uh, there's fear in it. There's a gore in it. There's humor in it, black humor in it, which I think is important. Um, and you know, it, it, it's, yeah, I, it, it's kept, it's kept me looking forward to, you know, I, this, my son and his girlfriend have said to me like, how long is the podcast going to take? Are we going to do a couple of Ozarks later? And I've gone, yeah, probably I'll, I'll probably do another one. So yeah, I, I I I very much recommend it. Yeah, you've got to get all the way to the end as well. I actually only watched oh, the final, the final episode. I watched. It's it's going to go on, but the final one in the in the three series uh, I watched last night, and it was one of those ones where as soon as it finished, me and my wife just looked online to see when the next one's going to be. So I thought, oh no, it's not until twenty twenty one. Great little series that one as well. Um, the Allard. Yeah, we we signed up for Netflix literally as lockdown started. Um, I think we spoke about this a bit before. Um, you know, like I, I think what was I on then? Probably Tiger King, which is probably 
um, you know, the, one of the first things to, to watch. And then we went for a few other things, Stranger Things, which I really enjoyed, even though it's not my thing. I don't really do sort of sci-fi stuff and monsters, but that was great. Um, and then um, and then there was the uh, the sports documentary. So there was the Sunderland one, um, which I, I thought was pretty good, okay. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been catching up on The Last Dance, um, the, the basketball, Chicago Bulls, Michael... Um, Jordan one and I thought that was really really good I really enjoyed it it's a fascinating insight into sports teams um, and and you know and Michael Jordan as well who was probably one of the most driven um, uh, sportsmen I've ever come across and um, to, to the detriment of his personality and it to, to some extent but um, he, he I think you get a lot of sort of athletes that are, that are brilliant but it is a bit about them but for him it was all about the team winning all about the team winning even if that meant he had to I mean it is literally bullying um, his teammates but it was you know it was just about getting those gongs and the team winning it was um, it was fascinating actually I, I I remember the balls at the time I went to the States a few times during those playoff games in the um, late um 90s and um and it was reliving some of that as well it was a yeah i thought it was really really good definitely worth a little tuck there and for for me i mean i, I can't remember if i spoke about this last time <laughs> on you know after the the sunderland thing like i said to you watch the sunderland thing which was okay but the thing that really got me was uh was the Leeds documentary which i watched with my daughter which i thought was absolutely brilliant i i just love those two brentford matches those two brentford moments and also just kind of living the championships sort or of living that last season the excitement the crowds you know so that was a that was brilliant that's definitely 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 worth watching the Leeds documentary which, which is on amazon amazon prime is it called champions of europe yeah it was called you know <laughs> we are the champions of europe it was called actually so so you know it's got all the derbies you know finishes with a derby kind of playoff you know semi-final you know semi-final but the fact that they were so they were there they were so 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 there and then all of a sudden, it literally from Spygate, we remember we mentioned this on our podcast as well. When Spygate came and after Spygate, they were all laughing. They were just, you know, we spy when we want. And they were singing all these songs on the terrace. And I just thought, and I was just smiling when I was watching that. My daughter was just singing, you know, she, she kept on singing, these are falling apart. After Spygate, they literally just fell off a cliff. And it was just unbelievable just sort of seeing them falling off a cliff and knowing what was happening, but still seeing at the time, you kind of had your, your hands over your eyes, like, you know, so that's definitely worth a little tuck as well. Yeah. Does it give you the answers as to why they fell apart, Bill? Uh, I think that, I think the answer, the answers are, and I think the answers is what we know is uh, the intensity, yeah. um, the intensity, they pushed it so much and they, they, they cracked. And also they were really nervous. They just got really nervous. So if they, I think if they went ahead, they were fine. But if somebody came at them, they kind of got really nervous. And if they started to go behind, then they kind of just fell apart. And also you had, <laughs> you know, the Kiko Casilla as well. You know, he, he likes, he's got a mistake or two in him as well. He, he definitely has, as, as we know, when he makes a mistake, Jesus, it's, it's, it's just hilarious. Um, especially again, you knew about Casilla, but all of a sudden you do a little bit of research. You think, oh, he's come from Real Madrid. Was it Real Madrid? He came from Barcelona. Real Madrid. Oh, he came from Spain anyway, from one of the big clubs. He didn't actually really play for them, but he, he actually cost a lot of money. And he's, he's actually a big wage player. I mean, I worked out that he, I reckon that he must be on over 50 grand a week easily. He must be on, he must be on that kind of money. It's really, really big money. So it just goes to show you that Leeds, but they actually spent 
money just took it up another level to try and get themselves promoted and they're um it's interesting also watching their owner um uh, radisani as well the owner and it, kind of his passion i mean the thing is it's made by his film company so you have to be a little bit careful because obviously it's going to show him in a good light and it's going to pr him right up but you know his passion for the, the club and the team and how he's bought into the sort of the kind of Leeds culture and everything like that, you know, and how much he just wanted to just get them to get up this because he felt they deserved to be there and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it is, it's very interesting. Do you get much of an insight into Bielsa as well? Um, tell you something. Um, they didn't interview him that much. And I think that, you know, you could tell he's that kind of bloke. They probably said to him at the end, you, you have to talk to us. So I think they got sort of one in the, one at the beginning, one in the middle and one at the end. Of course, he didn't speak any English. It was kind of, uh, all translated and, uh, you know, he, he, he. I think he's. I think he's actually quite a nice. He's quite a nice bloke, but he's quite an intense bloke. Um, you can sort of kind of you can get that. So it's all about the training room. It's all about is is the routines of the fixtures. They 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 did quite a big scene where they explained about um, the reasons about Spygate, and then when they gave away the full. Um, you know, when he just he just told everybody, I, I I've got everybody's training programs. I watch everybody. This is how we do it. And uh, he basically gave it all away. And what they said is that they didn't actually want him to do that, but he felt that he wanted to do that because he felt that once he's done that, they've got nothing over him. He's kind of free to kind of do what he wants. So they felt for him to do that, it was a bit of a bad thing from the PR angle, but he he forced it. Um, and in the end, I don't think they quite said it, but I think they, they still thought that it probably was not the thing to do because uh, it cost them. To be fair, they're, they're probably a better side this season because of it. But yeah, it's good. Other than that, there's a couple of other things as well. This Is Us, which is on Amazon Prime, if you want to watch it, you and your other half. It's a definitely quite an interesting little series kind of got into. Knew nothing about it. Someone told us about it. This Is Us. It's about a young black boy who was adopted by uh, white parents because his dad left him in a fire station at one stage. And it's just going through his whole life, living with his twin brother and sister it's actually really good and it's actually really clever so this is us on amazon prime and also i've been watching recently something lady which reminded me of you the time when we went to kazakhstan and do you remember what we actually kind of started watching on the plane to kazakhstan that we you didn't yeah, know anything about before do you remember it was, what was uh, it it was the in-betweeners in <laughs> we discovered the in-betweeners on the plane to kazakhstan and uh, we watched one episode and we were absolutely killing ourselves laughing and we practically watched the whole thing flying from london to kazakhstan we watched, we watched the whole series in, <laughs> in, in istanbul didn't we we had a night in istanbul on route to uh, almaty in kazakhstan and we went out for a night in uh, in uh, Istanbul and we had a nice few beers and we said, should we have another beer? And we went, should we actually go back and watch a couple more Inbetweeners? <laughs> yeah, this is made by um, the same guys who did Inbetweeners as well. Some people might think it's a little bit silly. Again, I came across it. But again, it's another football theme to it. And uh, it's called The First Team. And it's on, I think it's a BBC Three thing. You can just download all the episodes on iPlayer. Uh, and I've just been watching a few of those actually, and it's a bit silly, it's a little bit childish, but it actually did make me laugh. Uh, that's the episode about the player and the, and the toilet roll. It, 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 you just got to watch it actually, and then you maybe come back to that in a couple of weeks' time. Sorry. But I think it, it might make you chuckle. A, a bit silly and a bit childish, unlike the in betweeners, yeah. <laughs> exactly anyway but listen we're going to move on and we're going to talk about things which are not silly and not childish because they're actually very serious because we're in the middle of a pandemic at the moment now but we 
have got potentially a few football matches that we might be seeing in a few weeks' time. So we're going to talk about those straight after this little lockdown twang. So Project Restart, as they've been calling it. Well, they've been calling it for the Premier League anyway. Um, it's the EFL. Things are slightly different, but not that much different because they're talking about us restarting pretty much on the same day as the Premier League, probably a few days after that. On the 20th of June, Saturday the 20th of June is the date that has been proposed. And it's got to be said, this came a little bit out of the blue because we were discussing this amongst ourselves. We're trying to get ourselves ready, even up to last week, trying to find out what's going on. And, and the word on the street, as it was, was that, you know, due to the fact that Division 2 decided that they were going to not avoid their season, they were going to finish their season. Division 1 were probably going to finish their season. You know, the championship wanted to go with it. And they said, listen, we need to have a vote on all of this. Let's convene again. They've had quite a few meetings on the 8th of June. And let's make a decision finally about how we're going to move forward, who's going to move forward. And also, if the, if the season ever does finish, how are we going to finish off the season? So everyone's had their heads in the 8th of June. That's going to be the date and they'll move on from then. So all of a sudden, completely out of the blue, on Sunday night, it was quite late, about nine o'clock at night, a statement was just released saying, bang, the 20th of June is going to be the restart date for the championship. And it caught everybody on the hop, didn't it, Lane? They caught QPR on the hop more than anyone else by the, by the, by the sounds of it. They, they, they've been shocked, horrified, mortified, the, the superlatives of their horror uh, about this uh, surprise restart has uh, taken me by surprise, I have to say. There's Mark Warburton going past now. He's so shocked. He's got the uh, the air ambulance out. It, it, I, I, I've always thought that we are completely and utterly linked to the Premier Division. Uh, it, whatever we, whatever they decide, we have to jump uh, and kind of comply with pretty much. If they want to complete their fixtures, we have to complete ours. If they want to complete their fixtures, then they're looking to relegate teams. Then that means they're looking to promote teams. So we're, we're pretty much tied to whatever they decide, whether we like it or not. And I, I know that there's obviously player safety um, you know, considerations. And, and I know that the, 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 the clubs need to be consulted with and, and, and to, be feel, to, be, to, to feel like they're in the loop. But... Everyone, everyone's been talking about a return to football behind closed doors for quite a while. Pretty much from the moment we we we, we finished the the league program as it was. So I, I don't I don't really think it's come as a surprise. And you know, if if the there's there's several clubs that seem to have had an adverse reaction. Rangers, QPR being one, where they're saying that you know. That they've not had enough notice to return to uh, tackling and you know combat combat um, you know uh, training, and then Charlton have got some players that have decided that they won't play for Charlton as and when they you know the, the resumed fixtures are going to appear. So that certain clubs have got issues, but I think the majority of clubs and the majority of fans have known that. You know, as soon as it, as soon as we can start, we should start, and we have to get these last nine games done and dusted as quickly as possible. I think it's just 
you know, I, I I don't know how much of a shock it would have come to QPR compared to all the other clubs. I think from what I read, there were three um, championship teams that were sort of representing the championship or something. I think Bristol City, Reading and, and Derby. somebody else. Derby. Derby, right. Okay. And, um, and maybe there was a, you know, this is sort of a, a lack of, feels like there's been a lack of consultation, you know, with, with QPR or... I, I, but but like Dave says, you know, and, and we said this on the podcast before, let's wait and see what the Premier League does, whatever the Premier League does, that everything will start to fit into place. I, I think, you know, there, there has been another thing within the uh, Football League where it, League Two has been sorting themselves out. League One looks is probably going to be the, the league that will be the most controversial, I would imagine. And then I've always, we kind of felt, I think, that, you know, if the Premier League plays, we'll probably play. Um you know, we've got the biggest TV contract the championship has. Um, you know, it drives the TV contract in in the EFL. Um, it kind of makes sense to play it out, I suppose. Yeah, I think I think from the issue though, and again, I'm sort of not only being devil's advocate here, but I think you you've got to look at all sides of the coin here. And uh, and we're talking about because for me, again, yes, of course, I want that football back, but for me as well, you know, first and paramount is is definitely the safety angle. And we talked about this in the last podcast with the fact that, you know, certain actions are being are happening out there and you're sort of wondering how much the players have been consulted on a certain amount of things. Now, what is interesting about this move that has come about very recently with the EFL is uh, it definitely did come out of the blue. And I think that what most of the clubs are a little bit peeved about is not about um, the fact that we're going to restart it's the it's the it's the action of restart. It's the fact that this statement has just come completely out of the blue. They felt there was not much consultation, and uh, and as far as they're concerned, they're thinking, well, we need to ensure that our players are safe. The fact is that our players are going to be um, we're not going to get injuries. Because I think for one of the things that War, Warburton sort of mentioned is the fact that we have been they have they're in phase one and they've only just moved into contact training now. And basically, with the tight schedules that we have, they're going to have to move into phase three very quickly. Well, are, they, are these are these players never tackled before? I'm not. I'm not being funny. You know, it, it, it's about fit. You know, surely it's about fitness. The the the, the, the finer points of tackling and heading and and, and, and stuff. You know, I, I assume that they've mastered this before they become professional athletes or footballers. I I, I think you know, it, I, it's like it's like, I, I don't know. It's like uh, I don't know. I don't know what the. I don't know what the analogy is, but I, I just think. I think there's some sort of faux outrage there, and uh, they need to just pretty much just get on with it. None of us are. None of us are happy. None of us want football to be like this. None of us want games behind closed doors. None of us want this protracted nine games to finish the season. We just need to just get on with it get through this phase and then hopefully we can get back to normal in September, October. You know, I, I just, I, I honestly think that anyone that's kind of jumping up and down, it, it's a lot of it also goes without saying, of course it goes without saying that we want players to feel safe and we don't want players to get ill and die. Um, fans won't be part of this because we won't be allowed anywhere near the stadiums. So, you know, it, it's about each club doing what they have to do, and their their responsibility is to be ready. And you know, it isn't rocket science. I, I don't think for them to be able to comply to get ready for competitive football behind closed doors. 
and they just need to get on with it. And I, I, I honestly think that QPR and and and, and players, uh, you know, jumping up and down and screaming and saying I'm not happy. I, I, none of us are happy. I, I think we just need to get through nine games, six weeks, whatever it is, and then we can take stock again. I think I think the driver really was that the that they don't want to extend the season for too long. So it, it it was driven backwards from July the 31st. Now, if you're going to play play a playoff final and some playoffs and nine rounds of games, you're going to have to start it as soon as possible if you're going to complete. So once the driver becomes finishing on July the 31st, the timeline becomes very cramped. And, and I probably agree, actually, I, 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 that there isn't enough time for the players to get um, fit, match fit. They've had a longer break than they would have had during um, an off-season in terms of the time they've been inactive. So I, I, I would be very surprised if we don't see quite a lot of injuries um, and all of that sort of stuff. That It's going to be asking quite a lot, I believe, of players to be able to um, play a short number. And they're going to be playing twice a week, probably for four weeks, five weeks, maybe with one midweek off. So the, there are massive challenges. So I do get all that. Having said that, if you're working back from July the 31st, when was it going to start? If it starts on June the 27th, how are they going to fit it all in? You're totally right as well. The date was given as the 31st of July by Rick Perry, who's the chairman of the EFL. Now, the fact is that if they do start on the 20th, it is actually Tuesday, Saturday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, all the way through to round about the 18th of July. But then you've got the following week where you've got around about the 18th, the 20th, you've got two playoff games, semi-finals, and then you've got a week off and then you've got the final. So actually, if it starts on the 20th, you can just about fit it in with a Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday um, scenario. If you go back one week, all of a sudden you actually are starting to struggle. And I think that's probably why Warburton was also moaning, saying, why did we have to have this schedule now? You know how tight it is. Couldn't we have changed things up a little bit? Couldn't, you know, he was just basically looking for a little bit more flexibility in kind of uh, in, 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 in the format, I think. Yeah, I'll just go back to my point. You know, in an ideal world, we'd all have enough time and we'd all have enough kind of space to make the right decisions and everyone be happy and content and, and get enough training in. But we just have, this is, hopefully in my lifetime, we'll never live through this again. This is, this is just such a completely and utterly weird environment and a weird situation that we just have to do as, what we have to do and as quickly as possible. And we're all in the same boat. Every, every club and every player is, is going to be uh, asked to perform beyond the call of duty in normal circumstances and probably play, as you just said, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, Sunday, Wednesday, you know, maybe three games a week, not two. We just need to get these nine games done and get the playoff games done and get this season finished and then we can get some, we can get some semblance of normality where we're not set, we're not settling the season in a court. We're settling it on a pitch, and that's that is the be all and end all. And if 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 certain coaches have got their noses put put out of joint, if certain if clubs don't feel they've been consulted, it, we are in very extreme situations, and we just have to get through these nine games. We just to let you know, also as you know, they've changed quite a few things, and they're looking at like I said to you, they're looking at having five subs. 
for Mats to try to alleviate the, the injury situation. Um, so they're talking about squads having nine, probably up to, up to nine players on the bench, I think, which should be interesting. They're talking about some teams with bigger squads actually possibly actually rotating teams. So they'll have their one team playing one match and then another team playing another match actually to, to, to avoid the injury issue. So it's going to be quite interesting what's going on out there. And I was actually chatting to Sammy from Fulhamish today as well. We were just chatting about that. And um, he was kind of was sort of a little bit unaware of how tight the schedule was. And when I sort of kind of sort of laid it out to him saying that we're talking about Friday, you know, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for the next few weeks, he just said, blimey, he goes, this actually blows the whole league running. It, it, it blows it into a different, you know, into a different area because it goes all of a sudden, all the teams that have thought they've got it locked down, if you've got sort of kind of fear of having one of your top players injured or out or you having to rotate players and all sorts of different stuff, he said to me, you know, there's no <laughs> there's no team that can say that they're they're home and dry at the moment now because actually anything could change over the next four or five games. Yeah, that, for sure. I mean, the first thing is coming back to you talking about the subs. Um, I think it's kind of, you know, the, I, when I heard five subs, I was like, oh my God, imagine if you're playing Millwall and they're 1-0 up and there's 10 minutes to go and they're, they're going to make five subs, but they can only make three occasions of subs, right? So so if you're going to make five subs, it's got to be 2-2-1 two, two and one or something like that. So at least, you know, that that that's kind of good news. Um, and, and, and I do agree that that it's almost like all bets are off. It's a new season. Everything's a little bit different. Um, and, you know, clubs could lose three on the spin quite quickly going into this season. I mean, I, it's going to be very difficult to predict who and how, um, you know, those clubs will be. But, you know, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised if things flip at the bottom and possibly flip at the top as well. And you, and you think, you, th- you think about our first two fixtures. You know, we were due to play Fulham, then West Brom. That they 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 were the next two up for us, and they supposedly they're they're the next two up for us. I, I assume they're going to keep the fixtures in the order that they were originally scheduled, and a lot the the, the landscape could have changed quite dramatically in those in those two games for us. So you know it it it. it is such a reassurance that the the the, the, the teams that are, you know um, aren't just they're not they're not going to finish the season on the the top three or or the top four. We we, we it proves that we have to play to a completion. I I also think you need to really think about I, I you know I know you've made the point that every you know they've been tackling for years and all of that, but I believe there will be more injuries than you would normally see. Squad size is going to come into it. Bill talks about teams possibly, you know, switching players in and out because of the amount of games, you know. Um, I don't think we're going to have that luxury. Uh, what have we got, 20 players training? Yeah. Yeah, don't forget, we've, we've, we've got quite a few players back, though, which is which is actually really good news as well, don't forget. We've got, you know, about four, four, what, four or five long-term injury players that are, look like they're going to be coming back into the fold, which is positive for us, including Pontus Janssen, Sergi Canos, um, you know, uh, Marcus Force. Under, he might. I don't know. Marcus Force might even be back as well. I suppose my point is, is that there isn't a B team to fall back on. You know, I guess, you know, the the the, the group of players that are training now, that is it. That that's what you have now. And one point I also have to put out there for you, which is uh, I think is very important, is yes, Saturday the twentieth of June, or should we call it Friday the nineteenth of June? Because obviously uh, we were meant to play a match on the Friday before the big Saturday of the weekend. So, you know, you never know. I've got a sneaky feeling that we might be back there early. The first, the opening game of the championship 
Friday night again. You know, um, I think that'll be I think that'll be fitting and proper if uh, Brentford versus Fulham was the opening game of the Championship on the Friday night. But let's uh, let's see how that one pans out. But um, on the, on the Saturday, twentieth June, it is also still dependent on a number of things because from what I can gather, it still may not happen. I suppose if the uh, chairman they all got together and they voted that they didn't want the gate to be the twentieth. So again, that's probably why so few things are up in the air. Everyone's planning for it to be the twentieth. But you never know, they might decide to throw it all out and they might decide to kind of void the season. I, I don't know. So all I'm trying to say to you is that things still are likely to, to possibly change. I, I think you're right to raise that as a possibility. But I think the reality is that it probably will be that weekend. No, it probably will be. But I'm, but I'm just, no, no, you're I'm right, just, you're right I'm to say just anything, anything's possible. But I, I just think that the majority of clubs want to get the season done and dusted and then... You know, I, th- I think it, what's going to be really interesting is maybe what they discuss about that, about that, um, the, you know, that weekend and finishing the season is, you know, when when the transfer window fits into that and when the, when the new season starts, I think they're they're almost as uh, important decisions as as the conclusion of this this season, because, you know, the, this season's finishing is all about next season's starting. And, uh, you know, I, I think because we've had this kind of, you know, this pause um, and, the, and the players should have kept fit. Um, they, they, it's not like it's a close season. They know that it's a, so it's a pregnant pause, as it were. Um, you know, they, they wouldn't have been involved in, in, in team training and, and tactics and, and, you know, the, the, the training ground stuff. But, you know, that they've been able to keep match, not match fit, but pretty fit um, fitter than any of us probably and so there's been few excuses for them to be on the top of their game and I, I just I just think that I'm hoping for some sort of clarity in what the landscape is going to be in terms of finishing this year playoffs promotion and then is it going to be a month, two months? And then when do we start? When do we start using our season tickets for the new stadium? When do we see the last game at Griffin Park? Those kind of decisions that it, it all kind of like melts into one big kind of pot. It'd be interesting to know. It'd be interesting to know if they have the energy to, to work on that sort of stuff whilst they're in a very short, um, you know, end of season um, how much planning can go into the following season during that period? It's almost like there's three three kind of committees that need to be done. There's the is the the finishing this season committee, that how long is the close season committee, and then like what the fuck happens next year committee, and it, absolutely it, it, each one is critical because you know we, we obviously want as many teams or as many clubs as possible to survive this you know there are clubs that are going to be on the edge but so that so the the trend you know the transition between finishing this season and starting next season is going to be vital to them the shorter shorter the, that time frame the better really they want they want they want they want like maximum maximum games between now and the end of the season close season quickly as possible and then probably punters in to watch to pay to watch games for the start of next year. 
Yeah, like like you'll have three committees, and like um, and like all good committees, they probably won't talk to each other. So the um, <laughs> the start of next season will be before the end of this one. Again, but that's possibly. But then you know, there's another flip side that would say that you know, at the end of the day, what they want to do is to finish the season so that this is over and done with, and then you can actually sit back and then you can actually work out how to deal with next season, how to deal with a closed season, because you don't still don't know what's happening with this pandemic. You don't know whether or not it's going to come back in two or three months. You don't know whether or not fans are going to be allowed in the stadium or out of the stadium. Also, the other thing is that you're talking about lots of teams in our league, unfortunately, like I said to you, who are owned by people who um, basically prop them up. A lot of these, a lot of the owners of a lot of the clubs, okay, they're throwing money inside here. They're, they're really badly run, left, right and centre. All of a sudden, you've got clubs who have got no money coming in. You've got owners who have businesses, you know, whether they might be, I don't know, airlines or, you know, businesses or manufacturing businesses where their income has dropped dramatically. So all the money that they've been putting into to, to prop up these clubs, that money isn't there anymore. So all of a sudden, they're going to be in a situation where they're going to be asking questions how do I carry on? Do I continue? How can I carry on putting money into this club? I can't do. There's going to be a lot of questions asked in the closed season, and it might not be as simple as let's get the season up and running to get another 6,000 people through the gate because that, the 6,000 people at the gate doesn't even cover our costs anyway. It's the guy who's putting in sort of kind of you know, half a million a week is the person who's actually covering our costs, and he hasn't got that money anymore. So this is where all of a sudden the landscape can change quite massively. We might find when the season starts again, we haven't got 72 clubs, we've got 50 clubs or 52. I don't want it that way. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, this is the reality of where we are. You're 100% right there, Bill. And I think that's that's the reason we have to get through these last nine games. It's, it's all about next, next season's going to be the one where we find out the actually the, the real ramifications of... The, the fallout of the COVID situation on the, the on football and whether the advertising revenues for televised games are still there, whether the whether Sky, whether BT, whether any other kind of broadcasters that come onto the onto the landscape are able to kind of promote football to to a level where the clubs can to really benefit from. We have to get to next season as quickly as possible, and then we have to find out what the actual real hit on the game is. It's it's going to be really hard, I think, and it's going to be hard on a lot of people. You know, let's, let's not forget it's, this isn't just about football. This is about real people too. You know, the economy is probably going to take some sort of seismic uh, tsunami of a, a kind of a recession, probably. I can't, I can't see, I can't, I can't see, you know, it being normal for for a few years. So if it's not normal for the economy and it's not normal for, you know, for the jobs market and the property market, it's probably not going to be normal for football either. So it's a few things that aren't going to be the same. Whether that's transfer fees, whether that's the 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 way, you know, the the sponsorship packages work whether the amounts of money ever stay the same for, you know, the next five, five to 10 years, these things, these things are, g- are going to be really, really important to the way we, we move forward. So that, you know, it's all about getting to next season until we find out. I think the, all, all the time, all the time we're kind of looking over our shoulders to last season or this season, it doesn't really help us. We need closure. I mean, just talking about other things as well, just coming back to, I keep coming back to the 20th of June and just trying to raise the point that, you know, 
it may not happen uh, for particular reasons. It may be stalled. The other reason why, of course, we need to look at is obviously the health reasons, what's happening in and around the country. If things aren't going as they're supposed to be going with the way that people are getting infected, with the way that people are, are going in and out of hospitals and stuff like that, this may this state might change this state may never happen as well also i'm just going to sort of point out a few things that we need to be thinking about or the clubs need to be thinking about like i said to you they need to think about the, the, the virus itself and how safe are their squads and the staff so these are all the things that the clubs need to think about um the safety protocol issues around the matches you know you know we saw the 50 page um pdf that the, the, the bundesliga pulled out around each match which was incredible you know, the timings of the people that are coming in and out of the stadium, who can be in and out, exactly what they do at what time and, you know, the cleaning and of the ball and all this kind of stuff, you know, that's good to be put into place. Also, quite interestingly as well, is the local authorities and the police, they come into it because the fact is that some of the local authorities and police, they may not grant, they may not want games or particular games to happen. So they're obviously going to be subject to local authorities the game's going ahead as well. I mean, they're talking about, if you look at the Premier League, they're talking about Liverpool versus Everton. And uh, obviously, they're, they're looking at where they're placing all these games. Obviously, Sky have got the contract for the Premier League with a bit of BT Sport and a bit of Amazon. But all of a sudden, um, mainstream TV have got a few games and they look like they're going to be getting Liverpool-Everton. And the reason why they're saying they're going to look to give um, a BBC the Liverpool-Everton game, which I think potentially might be the game where Liverpool actually win the league is they don't want hundreds of thousands of Liverpool fans outside the stadium for the game. So they figure if they put it on mainstream TV, this is actually going to alleviate that. So there's there's quite a few little little things that we need to, to, to think about. I mean, are there any games that you think in our league that they might actually flip teams to neutral venues because they don't want to have fans outside the stadium? I don't think the I don't think the Fulham game will be one of those ones, though, do you? Well, obviously every Leeds game that they'll you know they'll want to they'll want to move all of those to neutral venues because you know there's obviously 10 million Leeds fans at the home games and 15 million at the away games so that they'll need to be in the Azteca Stadium in Mexico probably or Lionel Road so we need a we need a few safety safety games to be played um, maybe maybe it's the time to to test out the uh, the new stadium with a, a couple of neutral matches. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I just I, I had a quick look at the fixtures to see what the you know the key fixtures are. There's nothing too naughty. I mean, um, maybe Bristol Cardiff. Um, maybe that's one that would um, would would go to a neutral venue. But I I don't think there's anything too naughty to be honest. Apart from yeah, I I think it's more about coming to the end of the season and say Leeds. You know, possibly winning promotion, they should be at home. Will they risk that? I, they probably will, to be honest. Can, actually, can you imagine that they decide that the Brentford Barnsley game needs to be a neutral venue? <laughs> so the so the last the last game at Griffin Park has to be a neutral venue because <laughs> because because that is the chart the chance of a lot of fans turning up for that one is massive. So the, the last game at Griffin Park has to be moved to not Griffin Park. It will be absolutely <laughs> typical Brentford. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the sort of these neutral the venues, I'm going to ask you, but you talk about neutral venues and moving it to a different venue, but also now that it's behind closed doors, is there actually any advantage in home advantage at all? Because if I remember rightly, in the, in the Bundesliga, Actually, a lot of the games 
um, which they expected home victories, didn't actually get the home victories. And, 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 and basically, the, the home advantage seems to have been eroded away a little bit. Is that right? I think it probably, it probably all depends on, um, on whether you can travel to, as an away team when you're, when you're traveling distances, whether you can travel um, up the night before and stuff and do what you would normally do. So normally, like if Brentford are playing at Leeds, they're going to travel up the day before, stay the night, then have a, you know, um, probably a little warm up or whatever, pre-team meeting, stuff like that. Or are they basically going to have to get on a coach like old school and go up there on the day and come back that night? And I would I would think that that wouldn't be, you know, exactly what we would want to do or what any club would want to do as an away team. So possibly that's where the advantage flips a bit. Yeah, I mean, I hear what you're saying about the, I mean, that routine obviously makes a massive difference as well. Um, the clubs are still not sure um, what the scenario is, you know, because, you know, are they allowed to stay away from home? You know, are, are hotels open, you know, and if those hotels are open, are, are they are they clean? Have they got, you know, the clubs might have their routines, you know, their cleaning routines and their safety routines, but do the hotels have it, you know, because the hotels might affect what's happening. And before you know it, it might be the hotels that pass on the, you know, an infection to the players. So, you know, we've got all these scenarios. I mean, Mark Warburton even talked about them at the training room and they don't have their usual tyre. They've just got a load of takeaway bags at the bottom of the, at the bottom of the sort of kind of, um, you know, of the stairs that they, they pick up after training because everything is, everything is different, like, you know? So that, that, that obviously makes a big is a, is a big factor. I mean, obviously, if you're going down the road to Fulham, if you're going down the road to, to Millwall and you're travelling sort of 5, 10, 15 miles, that's different. But if you're going, you know, travelling a couple of miles, um, 100 miles up to Middlesbrough, that will make a big difference, a big change. Um, but also the other thing is I'm just sort of thinking, you know, when you go to somebody else's pitch and you've got fans in the stadium, you know, you go to Millwall, Millwall's home stadium was a massive big thing for them, a massive advantage uh, for Millwall when they were playing at home, when those fans were behind them, you know, it was fearful for teams going there. But if they haven't got that and they're actually look like they're fighting to get into the playoffs, are they actually going to lose a big advantage as opposed to other teams? Yeah, yeah. The the, the home, home advantage is uh, is a big thing, especially for small clubs. Um, I, I think, you know, the lot, you know, the game that I... I'm, I'm still haunted by a little bit is the Luton away match. Uh, you know, we lost that and it was frigging freezing. And, uh, you know, we, we, it, it was a game which we, we turned up thinking we were going to win and, and, and we lost. And the home intimidation was massive, I thought, I thought in that game that night. Um, but I think, you know, and I, I, you know, you know, I'm an advocate for the it's a nine month season. And I'm a, I'm an advocate for it's it's a it's a nine month fixture list as well. So you take the rough with the smooth, and our our running our nine games don't involve a lot of big big away days. You know we are, we are pretty much close to. I mean you've got Dar. I know we've got Derby away. I know I know we've got Stoke away, but they're they're. Their games that aren't, you know, then it's not like it's Carlisle or Newcastle or you know Sunderland or whatever. They're they're games that are pretty much quite quite easily achieved in normal circumstances as an away fan. As a player, you can do that in a day. So I, I don't think we look at the fixture list and go, oh god, 
can't do we can't get to stoke and back in the day we, you can all right so listen we've got much much more to talk about but we're going to go away have a little drink have a little chill um uh, just just find out what else is going on around us then we're going to come back and we're going to chat about things like tv you know how are we going to watch the games we might even have a little chat about the final match at griffin park which we've talked about quite a lot but is there a little bit of light in the tunnel uh, there's a helicopter going ahead as well. We might even talk about this helicopter, which is probably coming to pick us up and take us to uh, the final game at Griffin Park. And also, and we need to talk about season tickets as well, mate. We've got to talk about season tickets as well. There's loads of stuff for us to talk about. So we'll be coming back straight after this twang. So, yeah, we we're just discussing about the football coming back. You know, all good points raised there as well. You know, but let's look forward to the fact that, you know, the player final date, right? And listen, we're not getting ahead of ourselves here because at the end of the day, we'll be watching it no matter what team's there, I'm sure. You know, I mean, if we're not there, we'll be a little bit gutted and maybe some people say, I'm not going to watch it. But in principle, that is kind of the date, which is the pinnacle of the championship season. The date that has been provisionally, or say provisionally, but penciled in for the player final, for what I can gather is the 30th of July the championship playoff final. So that's the end of July. So that is the day, the final day of the season, whether or not we're participating or not, we don't know. But in between now and then, there's going to be a lot of football. It's going to be on TV. I mean, they've got all, is it 92 games or is it 42 games for the Premier League? I can't remember exactly how many, but there's, there's quite a lot of Premier League games that are on and every single Premier League game is on. There's 92 Premier League games on TV, right? Between now and the end of the season. I mean, it's like, it's going to be ridiculous. It's like all these people, there's like a lot of people not working, a lot of people kind of like working from home, you know, I mean, they, I don't know, they might as well, they, they've actually could have probably played a game every single day instead of uh, just keeping it to Saturdays and sort of kind of Wednesdays, because, you know, just like we were sitting there watching, the, some people were sitting there watching the, the, the Michelin game, on a Tuesday, on a Monday afternoon at sort of quarter to three, you know, which I thought was quite hilarious. But sort of when I sort of message, oh, I'll have a little peep, and all of a sudden loads of other people saying, oh, did you see Lasse Vibe just come on? So obviously there's lots of people that have decided to, to take the afternoon off and, uh, and watch FC Michelin play AS Horsens as well with the 2,000 cars parked around in the car park honking their horns every time they got anywhere near the, uh, the penalty area. That's right. If people don't know, um, FC Michelin, which is uh, uh, Matthew Benham, Brentford owners, um, other team, the other <laughs> team, that's right. They, uh, they did a drive-in football uh, scenario where they actually sold tickets for people to watch their first match back after lockdown on a big screen outside the stadium so they all parked up at the stadium there's all sorts of characters turned up wasn't there there was scooter men and jeeps and limos and and oh yeah there was you know um beer and everything like that they were they were they were quite potty for it it has to be said the days the the queue the, the, the car the, the queue of the cars looked a bit like an episode of wacky races didn't it there was all all sorts of manner of what what, what could you come to the game in you know listen we're not saying that you want to do that every week, but if it's a case of you maybe sitting at home and watching it forever, yeah, <laughs> one or two of you. But I know something, it could be, you know, if you're a bit of a one-off, like, you know, because it's a scenario where you can actually legally gather with sort of kind of 10,000 fans, which is actually kind of legal, you know, I, you know, I might take a little peep at that once or twice. 
Bill, Bill, you must have been there. How how far out of town is the ground for it to have a car park that big? No, I've not been to I've not been to Michelin's uh, home ground. I've went to the away game. I actually went to a game at Bronby when actually Thomas Frank was uh, was manager at the time. But I didn't obviously know Thomas Frank was going to be the future Brentford manager at that time. So uh, did, he go, did he get did he get sacked in the morning? <laughs> he didn't get sacked uh, that particular morning. No, um, but it was. I think there was a little bit of a a fracas between him and the chairman uh, occurred probably a few months later. So uh, he, uh, he, he, he didn't, he wasn't there for, for much longer, but then he came to Brentford and everything is all good. But anyway, we're, we're veering off track here a little bit because what I was trying to bring us into, I was trying to bring us into talking about television and talking about how we're going to be watching these matches and where we're going to be watching these matches. And, and has everyone had any thoughts about this now? Because to be fair, I, I kind of put it to the back of my mind because until anything was decided about kind of where the games are going to be, when they're going to be, how they're going to be, I just I couldn't even get my head around kind of sort of kind of you know getting myself hyped up for it because I think that after the disappointment of the shutdown of the season, I kind of just focused on my mind on doing loads of other things. And like I said to you, I've been pretty busy and pretty happy in this kind of non-football world, but now the football is now back. And it looks like it's going to be up and running. Fingers crossed, touch wood. We have to look at this because the first game potentially, like I said to you, could be on the Friday night, the 19th of June, of June uh, where Brentford are going to be playing. Obviously, the rules are in place where you can't go to the pub. The pubs aren't going to be open. Um, yes, you can watch it in your house if you've got Sky TV. If you haven't got Sky TV, then, then what are you going to do? Um, you can invite people around, but you can't have them in your house. So what is going to be the scenario? How is this going to be fixed? Any thoughts, lads? So, so, so realistically, at the moment, until government, government uh, decisions, I, I, I'd be quite happy with five or six people in my garden watching it on a televised stream, whether that's Sky, whether that's iPlayer, whether that's whatever. Um, I, I don't want to watch it alone. That, that's that's I think that's the saddest thing is to watch your team play alone. Uh, yeah, um, I'll, um, you know, I, I don't know if I make it into Laney's top six or not. So so I, I I live in a like in a in a two bedroom flat. So um, I don't think I'm going to be taking my uh, my laptop down the park or anything like that. So we'll. You know, we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I agree with Laney. You want to watch it with people. There was a suggestion that everyone could like zoom up or something. That probably wouldn't work because everybody's um, uh, stream would probably be slightly out of t out of time and stuff like that. Because my expectation is we're probably going to have to watch most of the games on iFollow. Um, there's only so many TV broadcast units that can show live football. Um, I there will be some games clearly live on Sky. Could Sky show all of the games? Could all of the games be broadcast using full full um, outside broadcast units? I would assume not, because the Premier League is going to be using them. Horse racing is back. Um, you know how many are there? So it's probably going to be a bit I follow, and it's probably you know maybe the red button on Sky. It's probably going to be a bit single camera. Um, and based on that, the idea of everyone looping up for Zoom probably isn't going to work because you know streams are going to fall in and out and stuff. I've got a feeling there may be some frustration with trying to watch it because 
I would expect the technology, um, if it goes to iFollow, it, it may, they may struggle. They're going to have to sort out, sort themselves out if, um, if they're going to keep everyone happy. Uh, the reason why, again, another reason I would assume it goes on that is that's a way for the clubs to be able to protect season ticket revenue is if they can make all the games available to season ticket holders. Well, one thing I will say about iFollow, which I think is going to be very, very important, is that if you've ever watched a game on iFollow, um, the frustrating thing about it is that if you actually kind of also follow that game on social media, um, I, I follow is about a minute behind. It's not, it's not like 10 or 20 seconds. It's like a properly like a minute, maybe a minute, 15 seconds behind. So the important thing is that all the football clubs have to make sure that their social media people actually do their social media um, um, commentary of the game from iFollow and not from the live thing that's happening actually on the pitch. Because if it doesn't, it's going to be nothing worse than you sitting there and all of a sudden the away team scored and it's not happened for about another minute and a half. So, so this is true. So um, I, live, I, live, um, I live with Joe and um, her, her nephew plays for Portsmouth. So if you watch Portsmouth on telly, Joe gets the automatic updates on her phone. And they come in before you see the goal. So I'm, I refuse to watch the game unless the automatic updates are switched off because I don't see the point. The Allard also, I mean, you've got a predicament, you're in a predicament that quite a lot of other people are in as well because you don't have Sky TV. Am I, am I correct? Uh, you are correct. Um, yes, yes, you are correct. I don't have it on my telly, so I don't have Red Button. I can watch it. Um, yeah, I, I, I can watch it, um, but not using the Red Button. So... So if we're not the game that's broadcast, I can't watch it. So I'd have to go to um, iFollow. And I, I, I unsubscribed. So I, I currently have no sports subscription for Sky. So I need to reinstate that. Okay. Well, I mean, I've unsubscribed, but I seem to still get it. So I, I don't quite understand what's, what's happening there. I might have to take a, put, a, put, put a little letter in and find out. But, but the reason why I'm saying that is that many other people also don't have Sky TV. And we're in a situation where normally they would have gone down the pub to watch it. But we can't do that at the moment now. So how, and if the game is on Sky, which assuming if it's on Sky, then it won't be on iFollow, then how... You, you know, you to watch. Are you going to watch the? How are you going to watch the game? Because that's a bit of a predicament, isn't it? So I, I, I would imagine they're going to have to make these games available to season ticket holders. Away games might be a bit different. Um, and and oh yeah, sorry, not everyone's a season ticket holder, but they must have a way. I would have thought of putting it on iFollow with a package. Either your season ticket holder, or maybe you pay for it, even if Sky's showing it. Because I would have thought. I mean, it's probably not in the regulations, mind. It's probably not in the agreement with between Sky and the and the Football League. But that seems to be the only sort of sensible way that the that the clubs are going to um, are going to keep their season ticket revenue. And I mean, and talking about season tickets, I mean, Laney, there has been a bit of news about season tickets, hasn't there? Yeah. So a lot of Brentford fans would have paid their second instalment. Uh, those that didn't pay the the whole of the season ticket uh, payment for for the first season at the new stadium outright, you could have split it into two payments. So uh, I I split it into two. So my second payment went out uh, two days ago. So that I I've paid for next season, but I don't know when next season is. And that that's a little bit strange. I'm I, I'm I'm a bit uncomfortable about that. I don't I don't mind paying for things in advance. I don't mind prepaying for things that are 
100% happening on a certain date. But what I do kind of, a, 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 there's a massive question mark over, I've, I've paid pretty much 500 quid for, for a season ticket. And I don't know when that season ticket's going to start and finish or whether I can even watch the first game at the new, I'll call it New Griffin Park. Are we, are we, are we able to go there? I, I, I don't know, but I've paid to go there, but I don't know when I can go there. It's, it's a bit odd. It, Do you agree? It, it, uh, yeah, no, I think it is it's very odd. I think it feels like that, you know, we would, I, I don't know, but I'm thinking at the end of this season, you kind of think, well, let's just get it done. I'll watch it on iFollow and that's it. But it's a different ball game when it's the beginning of next season. You can't go into the stadium and you've bought a season ticket. I've paid for mine as well. Um, that is a bit odd. It's interesting because the club obviously gave the option because of the, the unprecedented, as the term is, times we're at the moment now, to actually split this second payment. The first payment was made in January, February, whenever you actually went to make your reservation this season to get. And the second payment was meant to be made at the end of, uh, of May. But they gave the option if you uh, you needed a bit more time to split that second payment into three um, three payments over the next three months. So quite a few fans have actually taken the option to split their payments over May, June and July as well. So similar thing where basically by the end of July, they would have still paid up for their season ticket. But some of them actually haven't paid the full lump sum now. They're actually splitting it. But your point is a very valid point. But what an interesting point was somebody that, that actually wrote into Bisotti. And he asked a question. He said, look, Bill, you know, I, I've got a bit of a query about the season ticket. And he, and he started to ask about the next season. I said, well, you know, don't worry about it. You can, you can, you know, split your payments if you want to. And he said, no, I'm not worried about splitting the payments. He said, I'm actually worried about the, you know, or questioning the fact that I have, I'll be paying up for next season. But then I actually don't know if next season will be at um, New Griffin Park. I don't know if it's going to be the first game or whether or not we'll start 12 games in. And he goes, and if we start 12 games in at New Griffin Park and I've paid up front for this whole season ticket, how does that work? And obviously I'm not the ticket officer. I couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't answer the question. I said, you know, you have to throw that query into the pot. And I just, you know, I, I, I mentioned it to everyone here. I said, I said it was actually something that I hadn't even thought of, the fact that we actually might be going into a new season, playing half the season without actually even being in the new stadium but you've actually paid for being in the new stadium and exactly how that would work and I suppose this is one of John Varney's jobs where he's probably sitting there trying to work out all the different permutations of all the different scenarios that may or may not happen and also cash flowing every single one of those in it yeah no 100% you know we're kind of we're reacting to the environment you know the club the club aren't trying to kind of dupe us out of money they're they're kind of kind of keeping up with the situation we're we'll we're all reacting to a, a situation that is like unprecedented so they're not they're not trying to rip us off none of us are suggesting that it's just that you know it is a situation where we're paying quite a lot of money it's like 500 quid for for a season ticket of which we don't know when it's going to start and we don't know when it's going to finish. And it's, it's, it's kind of, it's a bit odd. I have, I have to say it's very, it's very difficult to get, for me to get my head around that. There's no way on God's earth you would ever press the spend button if you were buying a TV on Amazon 
on and you didn't know when it was going to turn up you, you, you know you spent you spent 500 quid but you don't know when it's going to arrive and you don't know what it's going to look like and and it's it's a little bit strange we're, we're quite unique i guess because we would have been um, we would have sold season tickets much earlier than all the other clubs so i guess i'm guessing that most other clubs haven't really started selling season tickets for next season now clubs have actually started selling season tickets some of them have, especially their early birds so they've been selling their early bird season tickets um and then some of the clubs have actually stopped selling season tickets so what they've done is that they've stopped and they're not selling anymore so clubs are in different states of flux and like i said the fsa um the football uh, supporters association has actually been polling um you know supporters association clubs to find that exactly what they've been doing with their season ticket situation and how they're dealing with it and i think because there's a big question mark as to the following season and a lot of the clubs are different to us because we're moving into a new stadium there's a lot of kind of hoo-ha and everyone wants to get on board and they want to get their new seat um, and everything like that whereas with other clubs it's you know buying a new season ticket so it's kind of slightly different with Brentford. not saying it's right or it's wrong but there's a slightly different scenario with us and so they've decided to put things on hold until things have been a lot clearer with Brentford they're going ahead and uh, they're carrying on with the season ticket sales I'm sure if people turned around and said look I'm having a real struggle here I'm having a real problem they'll probably deal with them on an individual basis and this is my thoughts here it's not it's not an official view of the club um, but I think they're probably thinking let's get the money in and then we'll deal with the situation when we know exactly what the problems lie what problems lie ahead of mm. us I see that um, the we're, the refund for the away tickets are now going to come through as well. That was an email that I got yesterday, um, which in in all it's kind of a bit tied in because you are getting some money back for for some tickets that you've purchased for games. Um, now we assume that the Fulham game's on telly, so we hope we watch that. Um, it does beg the question about the Reading game. Um, how would we be able to watch that if all the games aren't being shown or they're on the sky red button that 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 that's sort of an interesting thought actually it's just occurred to me looking forward we'll see how that goes obviously we've got to say the games are coming the games are on tv uh from you've told us exactly what you guys are doing with your with your games for me i mean first game back like i said to you it's going to be before the pubs are open again i mean obviously the pubs are looking to open around about the fourth of july it might be a soft opening for them but around about the beginning of july if everything is safe, then pubs will be really quite restricted. They'll be restricted on the numbers, but you, in principle, will be able to go to the pubs. Whether or not you'll be able to go to the pubs to watch football, actually, maybe they might decide not to do that because they might think it might be too much carnage because people are just like, they've had enough and pile out of their houses and they just, you know, they just break all the rules. So I don't know, but let's just presume 4th of July, but we'll have at least two weeks before the pubs have opened where you need to, work out what you're going to do again with me i'm like laney you know i want to watch it with people that i know you know i've actually worked out um how i can actually get tv so i've been buying all the leads and the cords to make sure i can get the tv to put it out into the garden like you know i've got some cones that i do my little football training in with my daughter as well so i can actually put me 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 me, me, me um my, my social distancing sort of kind of areas in the garden so everyone's got their their little <laughs> slots their little pots like i say i might even see if i can get get a fridge in the garden as well so like you know so i've got i've got an external sort of an external powerpoint so i'm getting a fridge in the garden as well so no one has to go to the house so i'll be completely and utterly safe you know so i managed to get you know i'm sure the recommended amount 
of people kind of, you know, maybe pushing it here or there, you know, if everyone wants to come down. So at least you can watch the first um, six. SDW. Uh, SDW, what's that? Social distant wanker. <laughs> right, Bill, Bill, do you want some spray paint? I can get you some spray paint. That's right. That's right. That's what I could do. It just, just like the referee, actually. You know what I'm saying? I could just no, yeah. stop. Go back. But as you know, I've got to keep within the law because, as you know, I had a little bit of a fracas with one of our neighbours uh, the other day who came around who was complaining because I had some gardeners <laughs> in the house, <laughs> yeah, which I thought was completely ridiculous. So somebody's actually found actually somebody to actually work on my garden and somebody came around who I'd never seen before in the 13 years that I've lived here and uh, <laughs> complained that, uh, first of all, the gardeners are working, then he's accused of smoking marijuana which i'm not being funny i don't even smoke never mind smoke anything and i was rather put out by that so there's a little bit of a fracas on my doorstep and uh, he, he did backtrack after a while when he realized exactly what he'd said uh, and he looked at me and he saw my eyes and the pupil of my eyes was, uh, was really not happy with it at all <laughs> he went off scuff, scuffling down the road you know so um yeah so that wasn't really great so the idea of actually having sort of 15 or 20 people in my garden actually makes me filled with joy, actually. I might, I might have to start making a few phone calls, start asking to bring around sort of kind of sort of kind of horns and all sorts of stuff. Like, you know, let's just come around here, Bill. Yeah, maybe I might do. I might do, Laney. I'll put, I'll put, I'll keep the cat out of the front room. And just looking at the, listen, listen, looking at the relegation uh, zone as well, because actually that's quite exciting in our league. Um, at the moment now, you've got the three teams, which are obviously Barnsley, Luton and Charlton, who dipped in there just up towards the back end, who, uh, who are looking fairly, really not great. And then you've obviously got a couple of teams. You've got Wigan and you've got uh, Middlesbrough and, and, uh, and you've got Hull City as well, who are sort of kind of um, drifting in and around there. What are we saying about the relegation zone? Because it's, it's quite interesting. We didn't talk loads about Charlton and... Uh, but. Uh, It'd be interesting just to give us your thoughts on relegation and Charlton and where you think that's going to go. I I think that I mean Hull look like the side that are gonna that are gonna fall into it. I think the Charlton situation we haven't heard the end of that. Not not from Charlton, I mean, but of other players. So the Charlton situation is where three of their players are basically saying that they're not going to play for them. Um, two are out of contract. One's on loan. Um, and they're not going to see the season out. And I suspect that the, I kind of get what they're saying about the the players that are going to go out of contract. They need to stay fit because they need that they've got contracts to sign for next season. I kind of get that, and that's why I don't think they're the only players we're going to hear this from. There may be some at the moment that are a lot quieter and they're murmuring, and they might end up being injured. And I, you know, say injured you know, we've injured. Um, but I, I think we'll hear more of that and that will happen at more clubs and more players. So with Charlton, um, so what are you saying about them? I, I, I think Charlton are in trouble. Um, but I but I do think there'll be a gathering. There'll be a few more clubs with similar situations. Okay, so there's rele- relegation zone. So what do you reckon? Is it the... Hull, Hull are going down. Hull are going down. Um, I would think, I'd be very surprised they didn't. I think Charlton are in trouble. Luton is interesting. Um, Jones is back, isn't he, Luton? Have I got that right? Yeah. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. It's all really interesting down there. So that's interesting. Um, you think Barnsley have gone, but Barnsley, you know, Barnsley are capable of the odd good of the odd good performance. Uh, it's difficult, but I, you would think it's between those four: Hull, Charlton, Luton, Barnsley. 
Maybe, maybe Wigan. Maybe Wigan. And Laney? I, I couldn't give a monkey's, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just delighted that we're not any part of that. Uh, you know, I, I, I think it's horrible that players are deciding they're not going to play for Charlton. I think it's a nasty, nasty situation. And I'm just so glad it's not us. You, know, you imagine, you imagine, you know, Ben Rama or Canos or, you know, or Watkins deciding they're not going to play for us for the for the last few games. But but they're not in that situation. It would be Makocho. Yeah, I know, I, I know that. But it, it's just that it's just horrible that you know your players decided that it's in their interest not to play for you because of the because of the timings of the prolonged season. No, I, I just think it's horrible that, that you know there's players that have decided that it's in their best interest not to play for the club that they wear the badge for or train for. It's it's hor- it, it's not right. You know, they. I, I think the players need to kind of be a little bit flexible here, and well, not not a little bit, quite a lot flexible, and uh, you know, it, it's it's for them to get us through the season as much as it is for the authorities for for them to make the right decisions so it, it, it's not it's not great to hear players are going to refuse to play for their club so again and i'm not saying i'm not doing the right or wrong thing i'm just throwing the devil's advocate in here obviously um lyle taylor was meant to come to brentford the deal was pretty much done as far as he's concerned. It looks like he'd even sort of kind of pretty much done the terms, but they couldn't come up with the price. It wasn't agreed or it wasn't agreed with Brentford, uh, with Brentford and Charlton. And he was absolutely gutted. He called it a life changing mood at the time. Um, to be fair, you know, we look at it, Charlton probably they thought we needed him or else we would have got relegated. But it was kind of a move where they were offered four million pounds and they basically kind of knocked it and said, no, we don't want your four million pounds. Um, we're going to keep our player. And now he's going to go for free, which means that he's cost them £4 million. Now, he's been gutted all the way through. They've had all sorts of shenanigans going on with Roland, with this new guy that's come in, with their CEO. It's all been kind of really, really quite horribly run, the club. I know the club is with the fans and everything like that. It's now got to this stage now here, where of course, obviously they're really needing. The pandemic has strung everything else out. And, you know, I'm not saying he's right. I'm just being devil's advocate here. He's kind of going, I'm not being funny, but, you know, I, 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 you know I'm not going to risk what I've got now. Personally, if he played for Brentford, I'd be absolutely furious. I mean, I'd be furious, but... I, 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 I agree. As a, as, as a supporter, I agree. If it's my club, I've got the ump. Um, however, he's got one more paycheck. Um I wouldn't touch him with a barge pole. Nor would I. And I'm not saying that he's coming to Brentford or anything. I'm just saying that as a player, I'm not not talking about him, but as a player in his position, they've got, they probably, I mean, he's never had, you know, he's been at Charlton. He's got, he's seeing, I've got one more paycheck. I can set myself up. I can set my family up, whatever, for life. And, and it's a difficult, it's a difficult thing. If he, if he breaks his leg, if he breaks his leg, then what happens? But not only that, it's, it's not only that, it's like, just quickly, if the club, and this is the whole thing is about clubs, if the clubs had probably taken better care of their players, because from what the, 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 club, the club's a car crash, and if the club was not so much of a car, if the club was, say for example, like Brentford, would the same thing happen with Brentford? You know, I, I would say probably not. I think the club 
has got a lot to do with it, as in who's been running the club, as to why these players are thinking, I'm not being funny, but what have we got to gain? Bill, uh, he, he, he seems such an un-Brentford player. We're not, talking about, we're not talking about Brentford. We're talking about a player and we're talking about a club which is really badly run, right? And who it, it seems like has, has not taken care of its fans, hasn't taken care of its players, hasn't done the sort of kind of things which warms and brings them in. So when you're in a situation where, yes, he should be dealing with his club, yes, but the fact is that the club has, because it's been so badly run, has kind of put himself also in this situation. And these players have turned their back on him, which is wrong, yes. But I'm saying that if he was at another club which actually treated their players better, I believe that that, that player would actually play for the club. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not really advocating him. I'm not advocating him coming to Brentford or anything. I, I'm, all, all I'm saying is, is that, you know, he, he probably feels hard done by that he didn't get sold in January. That was his move. Um, or, or even was it, or was it whenever it was in the summer, last summer and, and in January. So, so he, for him, you know, he, his loyalty, as Bill says, is to himself. Um, and yeah, and, and, and it's about that last move. And, and I, again, I don't really want to talk about him and his personality and stuff. Cause I hear what you're saying, Dave, but a player in that position, um, who's, who's had two opportunities to make a move that we probably would have let the player go, to be honest, if it had been us. Not 100%, but, but, but we probably would have. Um, it's, his, it's his last paycheck. But listen, anyway, so I'm going to put my, my neck on the line here on the relegation front. And I actually think Charlton might go. Whole City look like they're dropping like a stone. But I think, you know, this break and everything like that, they actually might kind of pull themselves out of it. But I think that Charlton, um, from what I can understand, Phillips, their goalkeeper, has been playing an absolute blinder. And if he hadn't played the way he's been playing, they, a lot of their fans say they would have been relegated already. And without Lyle Taylor, with a lot of the, 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 the fuffle that's going on at that club, I think that Charlton could be uh, potentially on their way out. But anyway, look, so we've talked about that. But listen, let's just, just briefly, let's just have a little look. The season, because like I said to you, we've got nine games coming up. Um, we've got Brentford, obviously, players back in training. Realistically, how do you think we'll fare? Do you at the moment? Obviously, we're in course for fourth place. Um, if you do five thirty-eight, which is the stat site, which is very, very well regarded, Nate Silver, he's actually got us pipping into third place. But this is before this pandemic sort of took place. How do you think we're going to fare compared to everyone? Is it looking pretty much on course, or do you actually think that we might spring? A little bit of surprise. I think all bets are off. You know, I think anything can happen. Um, I, I do believe it's like the beginning of a season again. Um, and what happens at the beginning of seasons is clubs, um, you know, lose lots of games that shouldn't lose games and don't, you know, and then they come back through. But there's nine games. Um, I I think anything can happen. To be honest, I suspect that we'll stay in the playoffs and um, and play through the playoffs. That's that's what I think will happen. But I I. I wouldn't be surprised if we got another little nibble at the top two. Oh, I like his style. Yeah, Lord, give us a, give us a position, a final position. I would say fourth. Lenny? Um, I think that we are in a very, very strong position. I, I, I think that we can go and push for the top two still. Uh, you know, I know that Leeds and West Brom seem to be uncatchable. I know, I know. There's a buffer, but there's, you know, it's almost like it, 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 it's it, it's sometimes better to know what you what 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 you need to achieve 
the target's there. You know, the, there is no, there's no way that the, the, the players and the club won't be um, sort of just, the, 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 they're going to go for it. And I, I just can't wait. I, I, I just really think we, I think top two is within our capabilities. I think you have to say though, going against it, that, and, and I don't want to put it down and maybe we need to bring it back up. But but I do think that there's also, whereas I thought when we, before just before we stopped, before, you know, after the Chef Wednesday game, we were absolutely guaranteed to finish in the top six. There is a word of warning that, that you know, like I said, there's going to be some odd results. There's going to be a few teams will struggle to get themselves going again. And there is that danger, far more of a danger now than there was before that we, we also go the other way. That That's my only concern. And maybe I should have started with that rather than finish with it. Matt, I do have to interject here. There, there are a lot of clubs that don't want to start the season back at all because it just it doesn't suit them. They, 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 they weren't going down. They're not going to go up. And, you know, we're playing a lot of those teams. And, you know, it, 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 could, it could suit us. You know, there's so many variables that are just we we can't even begin to guess. Lenny, Lenny, score prediction. I mean, it's not score prediction. Sorry, positional prediction. Um, I think we finished third and we go up. Okay. So, and for me, uh, listen, I've got my mojo back. I'm excited. I'm buzzing now. Like I'm saying, I've had my seven, eight weeks of chilling, but now bees are back, and I actually think I'll tell you something. I'm just going to just go. We're going to just. I'm going to flip the switch and say we're going for it. I think we're going to come out the traps running. We've got our players back like the Cocho's, you know, he's off the injury bench. We've got, you know, Canos off the injury bench. You know, we've got Pontus Janssen off the injury bench. You know, we've got, I'm sure we've got other players. We've got Halil coming in. We've got, you know, our Condes. We've got all sorts of players, yeah. like, you know. Um, and so for me, I'm thinking actually, bang, out the blue, we're going to surprise everybody and we're going to pick that second place and everyone's going to be completely and utterly confused, Whoa. and they'll blame it on you know they'll blame it on on the unprecedented circumstances, and it will be unprecedented. <laughs> they blame it on five. They blame it on five G. <laughs> That's right. But anyway, positive notes. Season looks like it's coming back. Looks like all of us here thinking that we're going to be finishing somewhere within the top four. I said number two. Lenny says number three. And the Elos is number four. So that's all good news. We're going to be watching the games with our mates. Looks like in the garden. Looks like it's on the common, wherever it may be. So things are getting back to a little bit of normality here as well. So like I said to you, positivity. In the next week or so, we will know more about what's going on. We will have some dates in place. We'll be able to start putting plans in place. And like I said to you, Bees fans will start getting together. We'll, whether or not they'll have the Zoom wall where you've got all the Brentford fans zooming together and chanting down the phone and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. If we got in the garden, we can actually get another sort of 20 fans on Zoom and you can be, you know, actually, they can have a sort of in the background as well, you know, that would actually really annoy the neighbours, you know. It sounds like there's like 50 people in your garden rather than sort of 20. <laughs> but, um, yeah, as you can see, we're just, we're, just, we're just trying to go with the flow. This is unprecedented and, uh, you know, we just want to make something of this, make the season actually kind of feel like it's, uh, it's, it's going to end up on a positive note and try and get as many people involved as possible. But listen, lads, it's been really good catching up with you all again. Um, it's been brilliant. Yeah, it's been really good. And uh, we'll probably, uh, like I said to you, we've got the Liverpool podcast coming out within the next few days. 
So check it out, besotted.com. Don't forget to vote with us on the FSA Awards. Just go to Besotted Twitter or the Facebook or besotted.com and you can vote for us in the Best Podcast Awards. And other than that, we are, well, the gods in the house. The birds have gone away. You know, we've got to go and we're going to probably watch more Ozark. We're going to probably watch more sort of, you know, uh, the first team. We're going to watch all sorts of stuff here as we do in lockdown zone. As we say in our houses, as the season's coming back, and we know we're going to say it. Come on, you come on, you Besotted have been shortlisted for best podcast at the Football Content Awards. Vote for us at besotted.com forward slash awards. Thank you. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.